Hey, everybody. Good afternoon. Enjoying the nice weather. Um, I think it's interesting to think when the seasons change, how long does it take me to start complaining about the new season? Did anybody on the way over here say, why does it have to be so hot? I'm sweating. Um, but it really is nice. Um, so last week, we said that we're kicking off a new sermon series this week. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at this concept that comes out of 1 Timothy 1.15. And so in 1 Timothy 1.15, Paul says that he says that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. He says the reason Jesus came into the world is to save, to save sinners. And you know, that's just a very basic summary of, of what the Christian faith is all about. But one thing that I, I've noticed, especially recently having conversations with different friends, is that there's, there's increasingly more and more people that when they hear this word sinners, or when they hear the word sin, it, it makes them uncomfortable. They, they get offended by it. It might feel kind of judgmental, or it might feel, you know, why do we have to be so negative? Um, and, and, you know, I, I would say especially I've noticed that. I've noticed, you know, I'm, I'm 36. So I'm kind of on the oldest end of I'm barely clinging on to being a, a millennial. Um, but so, but I've noticed that for, for many people that are kind of my age and older, you know, they would hear that and say, well, I mean, of course we're sinners. I mean, why? never doubted that for a second in their life. But I've noticed that also for many people who are kind of my age, millennial generation, and then younger, that, that this is something that's really hard to, it's really hard to swallow. And, and so, you know, it's tempting when we hear something in the Bible, when we read the Bible, or really when we read anything, or hear anybody say anything, that just kind of rubs us the wrong way. It's tempting just to want to brush over it and just kind of skip past it and say, well, let's get to the good stuff. Let's get to the, the positive stuff. Let's get to the fun stuff. But we, we see in the Bible that Jesus just won't let us do that. Because over and over and over again, we see these words that sin and sinners and sinners and Jesus saves sinners. And, and so what I hope we can do over the next four weeks is really spend some time and kind of unpack this. Uh, because I think what, I, I think that what we're gonna see is that the reason, you know, so why does Jesus emphasize this so much? And what I hope we're gonna see, what I think we're gonna see is that it's not that he just wants us to be depressed. It's that Jesus is trying to tell us something. He's trying to tell us something that we, we're not just lonely people that need a friend. We're not just discouraged people that need some encouragement. We're sinners that need a savior. And so that's why the name of this series is called Our Need for a Savior. So I, I wanna start today, this might seem a little bit odd, but um, I sent this out in the church Slack. I have no idea if the camera can see this at all, uh, but this is a very beautiful picture that my six-year-old daughter Valerie drew. She loves to color. And so someone, uh, someone gave her this coloring book and uh, and, and this is one of the pages, and she really liked this. What it has, if you can't see it, it has, in the very middle of it, it has a princess, because, of course, and the princess has a crown on her head, and there's a heart uh, right in the middle, 
and the princess is in the middle of the heart, and it looks like she's, she's thinking or she's um, maybe meditating or something. Uh, and then on the, the text at the top and then on the sides of this page, and this is, you know, this is a coloring book that was given to my, my five-year-old daughter, five at the time. On the top it says, I follow my heart. I follow my heart. And then on the side, it says, I trust the voice in my heart. Okay, so I was I was looking at this one day, and you know she she really liked it, and it's got really it's really pretty, and it's got some cool designs, and she colored it up really nice and stuff, and, and she taped it on her wall, and um and I saw it on, on her on her wall, and I looked at it, and I said, huh, I follow my heart, I trust the voice inside, my heart, and it made me thinking, okay, what what does that mean? Do we agree with that? Do we not agree with that? What, why or why not? So I want to I look at that today. This might not seem like it has a lot to do with sin, but I think you'll be able to see where we're going with it. Um, I want to kind of unpack this today. Should we follow, think about this today. Do you think that that's good advice? You know, if you're facing a tough decision or some type of uncertainty, you say, hey, follow, follow your heart. Trust the voice inside. Okay, well, well there's a few things I want to say about this. Uh, there's a few passages I want to look at. Um, the first thing is that, number one, we should listen to our heart. Okay, we should listen to our heart. The Bible tells us that everybody is made, all human beings are created in the image of God. And one of the things that we have because we're created in the image of God is a conscience. Okay, we all have a conscience. And whether we're, we're Christians or we're, we're non-Christians, you know, regardless of, of any demographic, regardless of where we grow up, all of us have this, this moral compass. We all have a conscience, right? And this conscience, it's, it's not, it, it often generally can point us in something like a, the right direction. And so you'll see people who have never, you know, who have, are not religious at all. They might be atheists, that they might be, um, that they could have, have a different faith. It, it, regardless of who they are, you, you see them when they, there's, there's things, there's morals that people tend to agree on. That when people, regardless of your religion, of your ethnicity, of your race, of, of anything, when we, when we hurt a, a child, we feel guilty. Because something inside of us says, well, that's not, that's not what you're supposed to do. Okay, look at me, look with me at Romans 2. And in Romans 2, Paul kind of describes what this is like. This is Romans 2, 14 through 16. Romans 2, 14 through 16. And yeah, Romans 2, 14 through 16. It says, he's talking about, Paul's talking about the difference between people who have grown up having God's word and the people who, who have not. And he calls them the, the Gentiles. And he says in Romans 2, 14, he says, for when the Gentiles who do not have the law, so they've, they've never read the 10 commandments, they, they've, never, they've never read the, the Bible. For the Gentiles who do not have the law, by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. So, so what does this mean? Have you ever, you know, when, when I was growing up, I don't think people meant to give me this impression, but this is the impression I got growing up in the church, 
is that you have you have bad people and you have good people, right? And and the Christians are good and do good things, and the people that aren't Christians are bad and they do bad things. So you have good people and you have bad people. And the reason we do good things is because we're Christians and we have the Bible, and the reason they do bad things is because they're not Christians and they don't. And okay, that, that, that kind of makes sense. But as I got older in, in high school and then definitely in college, you start to meet people who are completely different from you. And, and you meet them, you're like, oh, okay, this is one of the bad people. You gotta, this, is, this person's not, you know, they're one of the bad people. And, and, then, and then you see them making good decisions. Have, have you ever had that experience where there's somebody that you, you think, okay, that, that person's supposed to be one of the bad people. How come they're so nice? How come they seem to love their family so much? How come they're so honest? Okay, why is that? I thought that was just because we're Christians that we're like that. Okay, and, and for some of us, that can kind of be shocking and say, well, gosh, I mean, is my maybe my faith is wrong. I mean, here there's these people who aren't, who aren't Christians that they seem to be doing good things. And what Paul's telling us here is that what they're, what they're doing is they're showing that they are people who are made in the image of God, and that they have a conscience, even though they don't know God, they have a conscience that's pointing them towards God. It says, for the Gentiles who do not have the law, when they by nature do what the law requires, they are a law unto themselves, even though they don't, ha even though they don't have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness. So here's the conscience. Okay, so why are they doing, they, they don't have the Bible. Why are, they, why are they doing this? Because their conscience also bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse them or even excuse them. Okay, so we all have a conscience that, you know, to one degree or another points us in something like a moral, a good moral direction. And so I say we should listen to our hearts. We should be aware, not just kind of take what your heart says at face value and blindly obey it, but we should be aware of what our heart's telling us. And I think we see this in the Bible too. In Romans 14, a little bit later, I won't have you turn there for sake of time, but in Romans 14, Paul is dealing with some, uh, you could call them kind of gray areas in the church. These different situations where there's not a clear commandment. It's not like adultery, like don't do that, you know, do this, don't do that. There's not a, a command like that in these certain areas. And for them, it, I won't get into it, but it's these, these gray areas. And, um, and it's really interesting. They're having this, this uh, debate and people are starting to say, oh, we should do it this way or no, we should do it this way. And Paul writes in this letter and we would expect him to say, oh, you should do it that way. You know, those people were right. I'm, you know, this is the Bible. But he doesn't say that. What does he say? He says, everybody should, should be convinced in his or her own mind. He said, this is a gray area, but what I want you to do is you approach this, I want you to, I want you to be aware of your heart and you need to make a decision Everybody needs to be convinced in their own mind. Okay, so let me give an example about this. Um, so I have three kids, six, three, and one. And so if you have parents, you might be like me, and um, if you had, if, if, did I say if you had parents? If, well, if you, definitely, if you had parents, you'd definitely be like me. If you had kids, you'd be even more like me. If you had kids that are six, three, and one, you'd be extremely like me. Um, but so before we became parents, before my wife and I became parents, 
we read a lot of books about discipline and parenting and stuff like that, and it just feels like there's, you know, this couldn't be clearer. There's, you know, when they do this, you do this. When they do that, you do that. You know, you discipline in certain situations. And, you know, so for, for my wife and I, we have what we believe is a biblical conviction that when our kids are disobeying us or disrespecting us, we should discipline them. And that seems, that seems pretty straightforward. But then there's just these situations where it's like, I, I, I think there's, you know, I, I think there's disrespect going on here. I, I'm not sure. You know, maybe it's because I fed her full of sugar and, you know, didn't let her take a nap. That she's, I, I don't know. It seems, it seems like there's disobedience, but I just don't know. And so there's been these times where it's like, well, okay, maybe I, I'm thinking in my head, maybe she had discipline her. And then it just, it seems like in, in my heart, it seems like the right thing to do would be, you know, this time, why don't you just put your arm around her and tell her you love her? Okay, and is that like a hard and fast rule? No, but th- this, is, this is me using my conscience within the parameters of God's word to, to make a decision. Does that make sense a little bit? Okay, so, so number one, we should listen to our heart. We shouldn't just ignore it. We should listen to our heart. What is our heart telling us? But number two, we should also doubt our heart. Number two, we should doubt our heart. So, so when we think about sin, the reason we should doubt our hearts is because our hearts have all been affected by sin. And as we're going to talk about in a couple weeks, it's very easy for us to think about sin that's out there, sin that's around us. But what the Bible tells us is that it's not just that there's sin around us, there's also sin inside of us. Okay, that we come into the world with a pre-existing condition, which is that we have sinful hearts. So look at look with me at at Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah 17, verse 9. In this verse, Jeremiah, he's talking about sin, and he's talking about the heart and how sin has affected our hearts. And listen to what he says. He says, that the heart is deceitful. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Okay, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? So because of sin in the world and then in, inside of us, our hearts sometimes, our hearts are, are distorted and so they can deceive us. Well, what does this look like? Have you ever had a time in your life where you saw something or you experienced something, and then in, in your heart, it was as if your heart was telling you, I have to have that. I have to have that. I will not be okay if I don't have that. Okay, who's had that experience before? I, I remember... Um, I remember when I was in high school, and when I started playing playing sports, I was playing um, school basketball. And at some point, you know, when I was I was interacting with, I was playing with players that were better than me, or I, I forget, I went to a game or something. And there's just something in me that was like, that when I saw people being really successful at basketball, and you know, going on to college, and and just being really successful with it, there was something in my heart 
that said, you have to have that. You have to have that. And not that basketball is a bad thing, but that kind of took me down a road where there was a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress, a lot of spending maybe too much time on um, trying to have that thing that my heart was telling me I had to have, and maybe not enough time on certain other things. So that's an example, right? And we can obviously think of more clear examples too. You know, imagine somebody, imagine um, a, a husband who feels like he's not in love with his wife anymore. And then he sees someone else and says, I, I, if I could just be with her, I would be so much happier. It would just be so much better. And you can even talk yourself into it. I mean, you know, we're not, we're not happy now. She's not enjoying this. I'm not enjoying this. It would just be, it would, it would be so much easier. You know, it would be even better for the, and we can, we can talk ourselves into this, right? And our, and our hearts can, can lead us in a certain direction. And what I think we get from Jeremiah 17, 9 is that we should be skeptical of what our hearts are telling us because our hearts don't often tell us, hey, you know, like, take your head and just slam it down on the wall or something. Like our hearts aren't usually that obvious, but our hearts are tricky. And they say, hey, why don't you, you, you that, that thing over there, you, you really need to have that. No, 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 you can't stop unless you get that. Whether it's money or whether it's a relationship or whether it's a certain type of security or whether it's a, a certain thing, whatever it is. Proverbs 14, 12 says that there is a way that seems right in the eyes of a man, but in the end, it leads to death. So there's something that looks good. Your heart's telling you, hey, you should, you should go do this. That this is what you need. You have to have this. But if you follow, if you follow that direction, it's gonna end in, in death. So we should listen to our heart, we should doubt our heart, and finally, we should test our heart. So listen to your heart, doubt your heart, and then test your heart. Look with me at Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verse 9. And kind of while we're thinking about this, you know, I said before that when I was younger and I started to meet non-Christians, people who didn't believe in Jesus, who it seemed like they were pretty good people. It seemed like they made some, some okay decisions sometimes. You know, they, they seemed to be nice to their kids sometimes, or they seemed to be honest, or they seemed to work hard sometimes. It, it, it was kind of hard to know what to do with that because I had been taught that, you know, non-Christians never do good things and Christians never do bad things. And, and, and so we said that because we have a conscience, everybody has a conscience, not just Christians, that sometimes we see non-Christians doing things that we would say, hey, that's, that's, that's a decent decision. On the other hand, have you ever, have you, I'm sure we have, when we see a, a Christian doing something, they're like, well, wait a minute, Christians aren't supposed to be doing that. It can shake our faith too. When we see somebody who's a spiritual leader or somebody that we respect going off and doing something bad or even something evil, yeah, that, that can shake our faith. Again, I, I thought that the Christians were the good people and the non-Christians were the bad people. But how come the good people are acting like bad people? Well, because the good people, the quote-unquote good people, the Christians, hearts are also trying to deceive us too, right? Um, so what should we do? We should test our hearts. 
in Psalm 119.11, this is what the psalmist writes. He says, I have stored up your word in my heart. And he's talking about our heart. So my, heart's, my heart is speaking to me. My heart has a natural bent. My heart is also speaking to me. Might be saying something that's good, might be saying something that's bad. But I, also, I should also be, be putting things in my heart. What should we put in our heart? I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Well, let me read, starting in verse nine, it says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Okay, so we said that we have this moral compass that is, you know, sometimes accurate, sometimes not that accurate. And also our hearts are tricky because they sometimes tell us to do the wrong thing or that bad is good and good is bad. So what should we do? God's word gives us the litmus test so we can go to it and say, this is what my heart's telling me. Now, what does God's word say? So in the case of, of, of the man who's, you know, who's, who's contemplating having an affair, it, it might seem right. It might feel right. But what does God's word say? God's word says that we shouldn't commit adultery. God's word says that we should that, that our our marriage is was given to us and it's meant to be a picture of God's relationship with his people, of the love and the faithfulness that God we're supposed to glorify God through that. And so when we see that, okay, my heart's leading me in the wrong direction. What about the example when I was talking about um, when I was talking about playing basketball in high school? Well, that's maybe a little bit more complicated. Right, but we can see different things like um, that, that we're supposed to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Right, that we're not supposed to have any other gods before Jesus. So is that becoming an idol? Well, maybe, maybe it was, right? So we should listen to our heart, we should doubt our heart, and then we should, finally, we should test our heart. So I, I wanna ask you today, just as we, as we get ready to close, I guess one way to say it would be, what, what's your heart telling you what has your heart been telling you recently? Where has your heart been leading you? Is there anything that your heart might have been telling you, I have to have that. I will not be okay unless I have that. And then also, what does God's word say about what your heart is telling you? Listen to your heart, doubt your heart, and then test your heart. And then ultimately, we want to obey God's word when it conflicts with what our heart is telling us, which it, it often does. So we started this by saying that this whole series is about why we need more than just a friend. We need more than just kind of an encouraging word. What we need is a savior. And what we see here, when we look at our heart, you know, if we, if, if all of our instincts, if our heart always led us in the right direction, then we would be fine. We would just, we really just need somebody to, to come alongside us and, you know, and tell us positive affirmations. Hey, it's, it's, it's gonna be okay. You're, just follow your heart. Trust it. It's, it's, it's leading you in the right direction. Don't doubt it. But because our hearts often try to trick us, we need more than that. We, we not only need Jesus to come alongside us and, and comfort us, we, we need him to tell us hey, you're going in this direction. I know this seems like this is the right thing. I know this seems like this is right in your eyes, 
but it's actually leading you towards death. And why don't you, why don't you come this way with me instead? And let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. I just pray for myself, and I pray for all of my brothers and sisters here, that you would, would you just reveal what's in our hearts? And I pray that you would help us to have discernment. I pray that you would, through the Holy Spirit, help us to study and remember your word. And I pray that you would show us, would you... I pray for my brothers and sisters here today that whatever's going on in their heart, wherever their heart is leading them, whatever their heart is telling them, would you show them what your word says about that situation or about that thing? And Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for coming to save us. In Jesus' name, amen.